You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's gather back in. The mass exodus has happened. And um, it's so, uh, so great. Um, well, this morning, we're going to continue our study in the book of Genesis. And um, one of the things I just was really struck with this week as I was studying the text is just that uh, the, the lengths that God has went to in order to reveal himself to us, the, the fact that God is the one who is the one who is always con- uh, pursuing us, uh, if you think this morning that God is distant, I, I pray that by the time we're done here this morning, you would see that he, he is not distant. And if you are hurting this morning, that he is close to the brokenhearted, uh, that he is the God who has revealed himself not only through creation, but through his word and through uh, Jesus Christ, who we've been celebrating this morning. And um, he is good. And as we look at the text this morning and we learn about, more about Abraham and God's promise to him, uh, we're going to see his love and care for Sarah and her struggle with faith. I think she was struggling with faith at this time, and we see God's care for her. And, and we're, we're going to see Abraham's reaction as well to God's drawing near. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from this this morning. And so I've called this sermon The Faithful Way. Another way you could put it is faith in action. What does it look like when, draw, when God draws near to us? How is it that we ought to respond? And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And um, I want everybody to have a Bible. So you don't, if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and just slip up your hand. And uh, we're going to be looking at Genesis uh, 18 together. The ushers be happy to get you a copy of God's Word. Maybe you slipped out of the house without one. Or you, you, you don't have one. They'd be happy to get you a copy. So uh, Genesis 18, uh, let me read it for us, and then we're going to pray together. It says in verse 1 of Genesis 18, And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, and as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three seahs of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared, and he set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. 
So Sarah laughed to her, herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. Then the men went that set out from there, and they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to set them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised to him. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Again he spoke to him and said, Suppose 40 are found there. He answered, For the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. He answered, For the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let, the Lord be, uh, sorry, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again, but this once. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, For the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Let's pray. Lord God, we're so thankful for your word. Lord, as we study this text, God, we pray that your spirit would lead us and guide us. God, help us to learn more about who you are as we study this text. Help us to, to know what it is that you would ha um, have us do as we learn from the example of Abraham and how he uh, cried out to you, Lord, as he worshiped you, uh, Lord, in this text. God, I pray this morning for those who feel that you are distant. God, I pray that they would be encouraged and strengthened to know that you are close to your people. Lord, that you care for your people. Lord, I pray that as a result of our study this morning that we would leave here more like you. That, Lord, we would walk in righteousness. Lord, that we would be better worshipers. And so, Lord, would you lead us and guide us? Would you 
Help this preacher to speak your word in a way that is understandable and truthful so that you might be brought honor and glory. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so as we look at the text, I want us to note Abraham's response to God's love and care for him. What is his response, and, and what should our response be? What does faith in action look like? Well, faith in action requires first worship. We're going to see that in verses 1 through 15. It requires worship, worship that is exhibited in three different ways. When we see this first with active humility, active humility. The scene is set, the, the, the Lord appears. And, 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 and as we, we kind of piece things together from chapters 18 and 19, it would seem that there is the Lord has come in the form of a man in some way and that there are two angels with him. And so when Abraham sees him, he sees three men, but it would seem that there's the Lord and then two angels with him. And, and Abraham, we're not sure if he was taking a bit of a siesta or what was going on, but it says that when he looks up, he sees them, right? He sees them. It's during the heat of the day. Um, we don't really know a lot about the heat of the day here in Canada, but, but there is this, pla- this, this time in places that are super hot where you would just kind of go back and find shelter and do no work because it's just too hot to be outside. And so this is the time of day when they arrive. And I want us to note Abraham's reaction to them when he sees them. He's 99 years old, remember this, okay? And he functions as a king in many ways, right? So he's royal, he has some dignity, right? He's 99 years old, but when he sees them, he runs from the tent door to meet them and bows himself to the earth. He's not thinking about, well, I, you know, old people don't run, you know, we're very dignified, right? He's not, he's not thinking, I, I, you know, kings don't bow down to other, you know, other people. They, he, he's just like, he sees him, he doesn't care what people think, and he worships him. This word for bowing down, it, it's the same word we would get for worship. He bows down in worship to them. And he says, oh Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. He, 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 he's, he wants to, to, to spend time with them. This is his, his request of them. Would, would, you, would you stay here, Lord? And now he's addressing one of them. And so, you know, sometimes the text doesn't tell us a ton, right? But apparently, out of this three, one stands out from the other two, or from the, other, yeah, from the rest of them. And, and, and so he addresses them. And he says, hey, would you, would you just stick around? Would you just, if I found favor in your sight. Notice, first of all, that he calls him what? Lord. And then what's he call himself? Your servant. That's, that's something that all of us who follow the Lord God should, that's how we should address our God, right? You are Lord. I am your servant, right? He's high and lifted up. We are low. That's the proper way to approach our God in worship. And so he says, hey, if I found favor in your sight, Lord, Lord if, if it would be okay with you, would you stick around? And, and then he says, hey, here's what I want to do for you. I, I want to serve you. He's not asking, hey, since you're here, there's some things I'd really like, right? Here's my, here's my request list. No, his 
first reaction is that he desires to serve them. And so he's like, hey, get under this tree here, get some shade, we're gonna get some water, clean up your feet, and, and I'm just gonna grab a morsel of bread, right? Just get a morsel of bread, and you guys, you can eat a little bit, and then you can be on your way again. But could I serve you in this way? I mean, this is exemplary for you and I who would follow after the Lord God, don't you think? To, to, to see that heart to serve, that desire to serve. And we see that they agree to his proposal. As you think about the Lord God, as you walk before him day in and day out, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, what's your response to him? When you look to him, do you look to him with great humility? Each day, as you, as you start your day, you say, Lord, I am your servant. You are my Lord. Whatever you ask me to do, I am ready to do it. And not only that, Lord, I want to serve you. Lord, would you use me? If I found favor in your sight, can, could you use me today in some way to serve you? This would be what ought to be for you and I. Do we actively seek to serve him? Do we do so with joy? You know, if you're, if you're getting caught up in religion, then it's like, well, I gotta, you know, if I'm gonna get on the team and stay on the team, here's my to-do list, you know? That's not what we see here. We see an active worshiper, someone who's desiring above all else to serve his Lord. May that be how we serve the Lord, with active humility. The second thing we see in worshiping that he is, uh, sorry, we see worship that is exhibited in urgent generosity. Urgent generosity. Did you, did you note that one the first time we read through it? Like three times, it's quick, right? Quick, quickly, ran, right? Like there, there's some urgency. He's not saying, hey, tomorrow I'm gonna get around to doing this. It's like right now I'm going to do this. So he says to Sarah, quick, three seas of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. How, how many of used three seas of fine flour to make something? Anybody? Okay. You're like me. You're like, uh, is that a lot? I don't know. It is, right? It's a lot. It would have been far more abundantly than they would ever be able to eat the three of them, right? And so it's, but it's like, get, I want, I want us to, to have an overabundance. And then he runs to the herd. Again, note the urgency. He runs to the herd and takes a calf. One that was almost dead. Is that what it says here? No, tender and good. I want the best. Where is the best? I want the best. And he gives it to a young man, and he says what? Prepare it quickly. There's this urgency. There's this abundance in his service of the Lord. Again, this is exemplary for us. What, what, what did he say that he was going to do? Can I give you a morsel of bread? Can I just, could you stick around? The next thing we know, he's got like a full course meal going on, right? It's not just the bread and the calf. Oh yeah, there's some milk as well, right? And some curds. Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna get you, we're gonna take care of you. So, so again, this is exemplary for the servant of God. How, how do you worship the Lord through the gifts that he's given you? Are you kinda stingy with what he's given you? Who, who here has something that God has not given them? Does anybody, does anybody have a possession that God has not given them? 
Okay, I think you, you get what I'm trying to push through here, right? Everything you have is from the Lord God. There is nothing you have that's not from Him. Every possession you own materially, the gifts that you have, the abilities that you have are all for Him, and we ought to both be urgent in using them for His glory, and we ought to be generous in giving them for His glory. This is what a worshiper, a true worshiper, looks like. Hebrews 13, 16 says this, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. I want to encourage us this morning to have this mindset on a daily basis that you wake up and you recognize that God has work for you to do today. Do you know that? Every day he has a job for you to fulfill. As a follower of him, you are his ambassador, and so you ought to get up in, in humility, cry out before him, say, I am your servant this day, Lord. I want to be used of you. And then as you go, you ought to have urgency. Anybody know the day the Lord is returning? It's coming soon, right? That's what we're told. Why? So that we might get on it, not continue to put off. You know, it's like, hey, you know, as opposed to what some people would say, right? Uh, 2024 in May on the 14th day. That's when he's coming. What, what would that do for you? Beginning of May, I'm going to get really serious about my walk with Christ next year. But for now, I got some time to kind of do my thing, right? But not knowing, we got urgency to, to do the things we ought to do, to, to be generous with the gifts that God has given us so that his kingdom might come, that his will might be done and that we might bring worship through our actions. Well, thirdly, we see faith in action sees worship that is exhibited in, in divine certainty. Divine certain, certainty. Now, since Genesis 12, we have seen God revealing himself to Abraham in different ways. Do, do you remember? What was, what was Abraham doing before Genesis 12? He's worshiping moons, right? He's a moon worshiper. That's what he was doing before. Now God has called him out of that, and, and he's continually revealed himself to, in different ways. I will of what Ross says here. Why did the Lord approach Abraham in this manner? Why did he come in this way? Could not the word have been given from heaven or in a dream? Yes, it could. But the manner of this communication was probably meant to underscore that Abraham had a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord through the covenant. In the ancient world, and especially in Israel, to eat together was important for the making of treaties or confirming covenants. Thus, when the Lord was ready to specify the fulfillment of the promise of a son, he came in person and ate a meal in Abraham's tent. Nothing could have communicated the close relationship with the covenant better than this. We've already celebrated the Lord's Supper together this morning. This, this meal that God initiated his covenant with you and I. And one day, we are going to have the lamb, the, the, the wedding supper of the lamb together, right? We have this close, intimate relationship with the Lord God. As, we, as Abraham comes, now if you were with us a couple weeks ago, 
we'll see that you know, God came and he said, hey, there's this sign of the covenant. And so there was circumcision. Your name's no longer going to be Abram. It's going to be Abraham. It's no longer going to be Sarai. It's going to be Sarah. And he, and he tells them that the son is coming around this time next year. So we see that this is only a short time later, but it doesn't seem like Sarah is believing yet. And we're going to see this um, in verses 9 through 15. So they say to him, where's Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And now we listen. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Okay? Why is that significant? Why are we being told that it was behind him? Because the Lord cannot see Sarah. Not like you and I would be able to see Sarah, right? Um, behind, in a tent, can't see her, right? So that's significant to, to what we will learn here. So she's listening in, and, and, and as she hears this, we're told in verse 11, now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. Hey, have we heard this before? Yeah, like over and over again. They're old. They're advanced in years. What's the point? They shouldn't be able to have babies. Not only that, it says the way of women has ceased to be with Sarah. What does that mean? She's went through menopause, right? Guys, you can Google that and see what that means, um, right? But no longer able to have children physically. So when she hears that she's going to have a child, she's like, really? Yeah, that, I, we, even when things were good, we couldn't have a child. Now that the way of women is over, how in the world I'm going to have a child? And then verse 12, so Sarah laughed at herself, saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Now, I've always thought that meant the pleasure of having a kid. But it actually, the word for pleasure is sexual. It is to say, shall we be intimate again? So, so this is where things have gotten. They're, they're not even having sex anymore. Like that's, that's, what, that's their hope of having a child. They, the way women's over and we're not even trying, right? That's, that's where they were at. And so she, she, when she hears that they're going to have a son next year, it's like, yeah, right. How is that going to happen? That, that's where her heart is at. She, she thinks is there's no earthly way possible. And guess what? She was right. There was no earthly way possible for this to happen. That's why God gets the glory. Verse 13, the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? <laughs> Where's he? Um, oh, in front of the tent. Can't see Sarah. She's in the tent. And yet he knows what? That she laughed. And it wasn't like she was being loud about it. She said it to herself, right? She, it, was, it was an internal thing. And yet the Lord knows our hearts. He knows everything about us this morning. You may be here and you're like, I'm just trying church for the first time. He knew you while he knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows every single thing about you. He knew your days before there were one of them. And so Sarah is going to be rebuked here in a minute. But I want us to just be reminded what Hebrews 4.13 says, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. I, I love 
the scriptures. They're just so beautiful. They're just so, like, I, I, as, we're, as we're studying these things, isn't it like, doesn't it give you hope that, that you're not the only one that doesn't always respond well to God's promises? Right? Doesn't it give you hope that, like, okay, God, God, if you could use Abraham and Sarah, maybe you could use me, right? And, and, and so she's wrestling right now. And so, again, drawing out the heart, why did she laugh? And then he says this, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At that point in time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. It, really, it, become, it becomes a theme for the entire Old Testament. Women who shouldn't be able to have children, women who, who, who haven't been able to have children, and then they have children, which sets us up for the ultimate one, which is what? Mary, who's never known a man. She is with child. She's the ultimate fulfillment. The God who speaks life, speaks life in bringing us the Savior, the Messiah. So hearing God's rebuke, Sarah responds wrongly. <laughs> but Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. Like, can you imagine? Like, just put yourself in Sarah's shoes for just a moment before we kind of jump all over for a line. How did he know? <laughs> how, did, how did he know that I laughed, that I, that I thought his promise was a joke? How did he know this? And so she's like, I didn't do that. And then <laughs> I love the Lord's response. I mean, you cannot but laugh at the response. He said, no, but you did laugh. End of story. With authority, <laughs> with clarity, you did laugh. We're not talking about it anymore, right? There's no more excuses. You're wrong. You're wrong. Sarah is wrestling in her faith here. Is she not? You're like, um, I don't read the Old Testament a whole lot, but I thought in the New Testament, she's kind of held up as like a, a, a good gal, you know, that, that, you know, like a godly woman. Like, what, what's going on here? Well, let me just read Hebrews 11, 11, because I think it's just, it's so beautiful to see what happened from this day until the day they had the child. And it simply says this, Hebrews 11, 11, by faith... Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. There had been a heart change from this day. Perhaps it was after the moment when the Lord rebuked her and said, no, you did laugh. If he knows that, then, then, then maybe it's possible and I want us to note in Hebrews 11, 11, she's not trusting in her circumstances anymore. She's not relying on her circumstances as to whether or not this could happen. She's trusting in him. It says she considered him faithful who had promised. I believe that that God could do it. I believe that he has the power to do what he said. I don't know how this is going to work, but I believe. And from that day on, I don't know. You know, did she just start putting a little perfume on? You know, she's walking around to Abraham, kind of getting ready. You know, I don't know. But obviously something took place where they no longer, remember? They were no longer having relations, and now she's having a baby. She, she, her faith resulted in action. And so it should be for you and I. 
And God is so gracious to help us. When we wrestle in our faith, he draws near to us. He helps us along. I was thinking about my own life. I, I, I still, I'll never forget this day. Well, you know, unless I lose my mind, which is possible. I drink a lot of Coke Zero. But, <laughs> but, but I, I remember that it was the darkest day of my life. My, my daughter was super sick. She was on a heart and light, lung bypass machine. We didn't know what was going to happen. And, you know, I, I was thinking, okay, everything's stabilized. There's no more emergencies. Now we'll just keep getting better, right? Like that's how it'll work in my naivety. And the doctor said, you know, like, you know, maybe she's got a 10% chance. Maybe she's got a 20% chance. We don't know. And I just remember just being just shattered when I heard that. Like the circumstances shattered me. And I just, I said to Heather, God picked the wrong guy. Like I can't handle this. That, that was my heart in that circumstance. It wasn't faith, it was crushed. And I remember grabbing my Bible a little bit later and going into the room be with hope and just crying out to God and saying, I have to hear from you. I have to hear from you. What are you doing? And um, in his grace, I, I turned to Psalm 25. It wasn't like I had it memorized or something. I just, I turned there and started reading. And it just like these words jumped off the page. It said, those who put their trust in him will not be put to shame. And I didn't know if that meant she would live or die, but I did know I had to put my trust in him. And I just want to encourage you this morning, if you're wrestling in your faith, put your trust in him. He is good. He loves you. He cares for you. In the circumstances that you're facing, though they're hard, he intends to use them for your good and for his glory. And so let him minister to you. We're going we're gonna to look at this, but we're not going to look at it till September, so I'm going to read it right now. We see the end of this in Genesis 21. In Genesis 21, after these year, this year has passed, Abraham, it says in verse 21, 5, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And then Sarah says this, God has made laughter for me. Everyone will laugh over me. Because the kid's name is? He laughs. Isaac, right? And she gets to see God's fulfillment of his promise. Every promise that God gives us is true. Cling to his promises. Know that he is trustworthy and grow in your worship of him. This is his desire for you. Well, the second thing that we'll see, and we're going to be a little bit more brief on this, but faith in action also requires righteousness. It also requires righteousness. Righteousness that is exhibited in determined Faithful discipleship. Determined, faithful discipleship. We see this in verses 16 to 19. Verse 16 says, Then the men set out from there, and they looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And we see this. You know, Abraham wants his every second that he can, right, with them. And so he's like, you guys walking this way? Okay, I'll walk with you, right? He's walking with him. And, and we see this, this, this kind of thinking of what's the Lord thinking here, right? And, and he's trying to determine, shall I tell him what I'm about to do? 
It's interesting, in James chapter 2, we're told that Abraham was called a friend of God. A friend of God. John 15, 15, we see Jesus talking to his disciples, and he says this, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. God calls us friends this morning because he has revealed his plan to us. He has given us his word. He has shown us what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. What what kind of a God does that, right? Our God. Our God does that. He doesn't have to do that, but because of his love for us, because of his desire to have relationship with us, he draws us in and he tells us his plan, and this is what he does with Abraham. And he says this, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. I I need to tell him because of the plan that I have for him, because of the, 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 the fact that he will It'll be through him that all the nations are blessed. Now, we know ultimately that's fulfilled through Jesus Christ, his descendant. It is through Christ that all the nations are blessed. And one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And one day, we're going to have this worship service. It's going to be incredible. And there will be people from every tribe, language, and tongue. Like, how incredible is it going to be? But in this case... He wants to tell him because he wants Sodom to be blessed through Abraham. I love what Hamilton says. For the first time, one of the nations of the earth, the Sodomites, is blessed because of Abraham. To be blessed in this context means to have one who intercedes before God regarding one's destiny. To have one who makes intercession for the transgressor. He, he, he is crying out on behalf of Sodom, as we've already read this morning. He, he cries out for the unrighteous. And this is the privilege and the joy of you and I as his followers. We get to cry out to the Lord on behalf of the unsaved that we know, on behalf of the wicked nation that we live in. This is what the people of God get to do. It is our joy because it reflects our God in his heart. And then he continues on. There's more reason as to why he wants to tell him. He says, for I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. I have labeled this determined, faithful discipleship. Determined in the sense that there there ought to be faithfulness on behalf, behalf of Abraham, but also determined because what? He was chosen by God. It was determined before time that he would be chosen by God. God had made a covenant with him, and he's called to be faithful, to be obedient to the things he's asking him to do. And what is it that he's called to do? To make disciples. He's to go to his children and to his household and to teach them to to do righteousness and justice. They are to walk in obedience to justice and righteousness. That's what God has called him to do. And isn't it interesting that he's going to learn a whole lot about justice and righteousness from what's happening with Sodom. 
even as he cries out to the Lord on their behalf, he's learning about what it means to be just and right before God. Did you see the parallels to what God calls you to do? Do, do you see that God has chosen you to walk in obedience so that you might what? Make disciples. We're to go to, into all the earth making disciples, teaching what? People around us to obey all that Christ has commanded us to do. That's your job as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how your righteousness is manifested by you making disciples. And yes, it begins in your home. That you have fathers and mothers to disciple their children, and then we go out from there into all the earth. Faith in action also requires righteousness that is exhibited in inquisitive, compassionate intercession. Inquisitive, compassionate intercession. We see this in verses 20 to 26. It says, then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they've done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know. Anyone here think that God does not know what he's about to do? Anyone think this? So why is it put in this way? It's just another example of how God condescends himself to us. He says, hey, Abraham, I'm going to let you know what I'm, what I'm doing, what I'm thinking through. And the way that he says this, what does it tell us? That God is very slow in his anger. He's not, he doesn't fly off the handle. He's going to come and he's going to make a careful search of what is happening. He's going to see, is there any righteous here? Is the, is the, the outcries that I've heard, is it true? Now, all through the Bible, the, the idea of an outcry has always been associated with oppression or abuse. So not only is there sexual sin going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, but there's also oppression and abuse. If you think about these, this group of people, it's just they're full of hate. They do not care about anyone other than themselves. And God is going to give careful search as to what is going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's also giving his servant an opportunity to reflect his heart by praying for them. And now this is what we see. Verse 22. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood still before the Lord. And then listen. Then Abraham drew near and said, will you indeed sweep, sweep away the righteous with the wicked? He's, he's like... Isn't that, is this this intimate picture? He draws near now to God, God who is drawn near to him. He, he comes to him and said, hey, um, I, I just have a question. Will you indeed swipe away the righteous with the wicked? W would you have prayed this prayer? Like, it seems like a lot of Christians are pretty angry these days. And I wonder... If it was today, if you'd be just like, yeah, get them, God. Get them. I know that Sodom and Gomorrah, they are so wicked. They are so evil. Like, I cannot wait for them to finally have their day of judgment. This is fantastic. Is that, is that to reflect the heart of God? Jesus, as he overlooked Jerusalem just before his crucifixion, 
knowing that they will be destroyed in 70 AD, he wept over Jerusalem. I think Abraham is really instructive to you and I. Something about an election tomorrow. Anybody heard about that? Let's not be angry, Christians, regardless of what happens tomorrow. Our hope is not in government. God, our government is set up and torn down by our God. We pray. We're going to talk. We're going to pray tonight about it together. But, but our hope is in Him. And our response is, Christians ought not to be anger when we see the lost. Our response should be compassion. And this is what we see on display with Abraham. He pleads not only for the righteous, but he also pleads for the wicked. Verse 24, suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it, far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? He's wrestling with God in prayer, right? God, I know that you are judge of all the earth. He's not just kind of making stuff up. He knows who his God is. He, he's the judge of all the earth, that he is a just God, that he is a righteous God. And he's trying to think this through, like, okay, God, would you, would you destroy 50 righteous people with the wicked? Would you, would you just take out the whole city? Lord, you wouldn't do that, would you? And, and so he's, he's asking that the Lord would... would, would be merciful and gracious here. Again, he's reflecting the heart of our God. He, he, he's, he's doing no different than what Jesus did on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He, he's, he's compassionate, he's merciful on behalf of the lost. And then note God's gracious response in verse 26. And the Lord said, if I find at Sodom 50 righteous in this city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Like, think about how God could have answered and would have been totally right to do so. Are, are you questioning me? Who do you think you are? Like, I am the judge of all the earth. You said it rightly. Can you just zip it? But he doesn't do that, right? He, 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 there's this, this miraculous thing where God desires for his people to cry out to him and that he hears their prayer and that he responds accordingly. He answers our prayers. And so he answers Abraham's prayer as he cries out about justice and righteousness. Uh, ju yeah, justice and righteousness. And then briefly, I want us to see the last thing. Faith in action also requires righteousness that is exhibited in persistent, humble prayer. Now, Abraham had his prayer answered, but now he, like, he reflects on it. He's like, ooh, 50. Uh, I've been around Sodom and Gomorrah. I think I made a mistake. Um, so he, he's like... Um, how about 45? Right? Like this prayer is, I, again, it reflects, it, do, you, do you pray like this? I pray like this sometimes. Like, I don't know what to pray. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of like a little bit all over the place. And he's like, 45? Okay, how about 40? And then he's like, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to keep doing fives. Uh, how about 30? How about 20? How about 10? Right? And, 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 and God, again, his patience, Right? I mean, Abraham is feeling like this is probably getting really annoying because he's like, hey, Lord, please, you know, like, uh, I've spoken. Can I speak again? Can I do it? Like, please don't be angry. Please don't get mad. Can I, can I ask again, though? And God is so gracious. 
And then with this last appeal of 10, he says, yeah, I, I won't destroy the city, the entire city. I won't destroy the whole city for 10 righteous people. Again, know, knowing that he is sovereign God, knows all things, I think should encourage us to come to him in prayer. And it says, then the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. As you think about prayer, not only are you compassionate in your prayer, not only are you, you praying theologically sound prayers, but are you, are you persistent in your prayer life? When you approach God, do you, do you approach like Abraham saying, like, I'm dust, I'm just dust and ashes? Lord, Lord, you are great, I am not. Do you wrestle with God in prayer? In other words, do you take all your cares, all your anxieties, and bring them to him? I just heard a beautiful picture from uh, our free indeed time together as men. There was a guy who was just really wrestling with bitterness and anger in his heart. And on Friday night, uh, Daniel Henderson talked about prayer and, and the importance of crying out to God in prayer. And so that day at noon, we had a little bit of spare time. He went on a walk, and as he's walking, he's just crying out to God in prayer. And by the time he's done his walk, he, he's no longer bitter. He's no longer angry, but he's full of love and compassion. Like that's what God does through prayer. Going, taking it to him, recognizing who he is, and then God through that sets our hearts right. Luke 18, 1 says, Jesus gives his disciples a parable to the fact that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Let us be persistent in our prayer. Well, God is so good. He draws near to us. And then he expects us to draw near to him in faith. Faith that is exhibited in worship and in righteousness. Does that describe you this morning? Are, are, you, are you crying out to him each and every day? Are you... Are you uh, compassionate in your intercession. I just want to close by reading this one verse because I was so struck by it last week as I was reading in Isaiah. It says in Isaiah 57, 15, for thus says the one who is lifted, who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Who is this? It is the Lord God. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place. And now listen and also with him who is of contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. God says, listen, I, I am great and I am mighty and I dwell in the heavens, but I also dwell with those who are humble before me. What an awesome God. Pray that your heart has been encouraged this morning as we've been reminded of these truths. Let me pray. Lord God, we're so thankful that you have drawn near to us, God. That, Lord, for the majority here today, God, they, they know you and you know them. What an awesome thing, God. And I pray this morning that their hearts have been encouraged that, Lord, you are near to us. Lord, I pray that they would have been exhorted to live lives of worship and righteousness before you. Lord, I pray, Lord, for those who may be here this morning who have yet to repent of their sin, 
Lord, who, uh, who do not know you. They know about you, but they do not know you, and you do not know them in this intimate relationship that you have given us. Lord, I pray today, would you grant them faith? Would you grant them repentance that they might trust in you? And Lord, I do think about your children this morning who are wrestling in faith as well. God, may they be encouraged by your faithfulness. Lord, you are always faithful even when we are faithless. May they be encouraged by what they see on Sarah, a woman who was, was not in a good spot. But God, you drew her along. You gave her faith. Lord, you helped her along. And Lord, you will do that for every one of us as Lord, we look to you. So God, to you be the glory in our lives. Lord, use us as we leave this place. May we show your compassion. May we show your love to a lost and dying world. It's your name we pray. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.